2: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, why stocks keep rising and interest rates keep falling. What that says about the road ahead for your money, we'll debate that with the Investment Committee. Joining me for the hour today, Stephanie Link, Surat Sethi, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, is back along with Pete Najarian. He's the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Let's go to the wall. You'll see stocks are taking a bit of a breather today. Boy, it's been an interesting one uh, for sure. You've got the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ all negative. But look at those stocks at the bottom because we've got some big stories developing today. GE splitting the company. We're going to talk about that, obviously. Roblox, a huge winner today. Robinhood, PayPal, Ford also in the news. Pete, I'm going to begin with you. So we got the NASDAQ up 11 straight days. you got the S&P up eight days in a row. All of that heading into today. But there's that thing at the end I mentioned. The VIX starting to rise a bit. What's the message in that, yeah. do you think? Yeah.
3: yeah, I think over the last couple of days we've been watching that volatility index start to re- elevate a little bit more, Scott. As a matter of fact, if you go just back even yesterday and looking at it, we started to see that movement despite the fact that we were in a positive market. We had the Dow that finished up 100 points, and we actually were positive on the NASDAQ, and yet the volatility index was growing to the upside. We're seeing it even more so today, obviously, with this move to the downside particularly out of the Dow. But now all of a sudden you've got the Nasdaq participating in the downside as well. I think it just it starts to tell us that everything is great, you know, that we're looking at. But, uh, you know, we've had this incredible run. And at some point, if the news stories aren't as positive as they have been, obviously Friday we had that late news about the infrastructure. All
2: right, we're going to work on Pete's audio. Steph, um... Let's talk about yeah. this, this so-called everything rally that's been happening, right? Pete says, you know, um, everything's been going up. I mean, tech, materials, industrials, new all-time highs today. Semis, new record high. Value around all-time highs. Gold highest level since September 3rd. Bitcoin intraday, all-time high. All 11 S&P sectors positive on the year. Nine of them are up double digits. So is this, does this continue to be a buy-everything rally? Or do we start to say, you know what, maybe enough is enough. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves.
4: No, I mean, I think everything is working for a reason. It's because the economy is stronger. If we learned one thing last week, we learned that the ISM services rebounded to all-time highs at 66.7. We've never seen that kind of number before. Why is that important? It's 67% of the U.S. economy is services. Why is that important? It's, it's driven by the consumer, which is also very important to the economy. And so we're rooting for this. This is good news on the consumer front. And I'm not surprised as a result to see consumer confidence rebound for the first time in four months. We also are seeing on the manufacturing side a recovery as well in factory we orders, durable goods and that sort of thing. So October rebounded, Scott. We, were, we had a growth scare in the third quarter, no doubt about it. but October rebounded as Delta variant kind of subside. So we now have the supply chain issues that we have to worry about, and we have to worry about inflation and uh, being stickier. I've been talking about stickier inflation for months now, and I'm wondering if the bond market is actually starting to tell us it's going to lead to demand destruction, but there's so much distortion in the bond market. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, so in the meantime, you've got good growth on the economy and then you have good earnings and you have low interest rates. I'm
2: wondering. So if actually, I, uh, that's kind
4: of that's kind of Goldilocks. I'm
2: wondering if the, the bond market is telling you it's more disinflation at this point than inflation. I mean, I, I literally was just looking as you were speaking. And, you know, you look at the 10 year at 142 and you're like, holy smokes, like what what is going on? With that, what, what is the message that that is sending? And, and by the way, Steph, you know, a lot of the you know hottest, if you will, indicators of inflation have started to cool and started to cool somewhat dramatically, too. So maybe that story is starting to turn. And maybe that's one of the reasons why stocks in such a broad array of sectors continue to hit these highs, as I've said.
4: Well, I think, it's, I think it would be stagflation versus disinflation. I mean, you had a hot PPI number. I know it was in line today. But you had a hot PPI number up over 8% year-over-year. Unit labor costs also last week very, very high. So what about the wage numbers and the non-farm payroll numbers at 4.9%? You have real inflation out there, Scott. My worry point is, is this inflation going to drive demand lower? And that is what I wonder if that's what the bond market is telling us. I don't think it's stagflation, especially after you get an ISM services number like that, when you get consumer confidence numbers like that, when you get manufacturing and companies within manufacturing telling you how strong demand is so we have to watch it it absolutely is a watch point for now but i think into the end of the year seasonally this is a time when you want to be long and especially as earnings estimate revisions are going higher mm-hmm. which they are
2: and hey, mr wonderful I, I noticed by the way it's good to have you back it's been a while i hope you've been well um Thank you, you you have you have your big smiley today you have 24 percent cash though <laughs> um, why are you sitting in so much cash
5: I recently sold off a commercial real estate, which we would accumulated over decades. And so uh, I'm not as comfortable as I used to be uh, with commercial real estate, AAA office, uh, some hotels, um, some climate control storage. Cap rates are starting to creep back up. That means usage is changing uh those those giant office towers that used to host all those lawyers and accounting firms a lot of those people don't want to come back to work so i'm just trying to move out of that i took it down from 30 percent, which was always a bellwether for us down to eight so now i have a lot of cash to deploy and uh right at a time when cash gets you 21 basis points in interest so it's very challenging but i am not unique there are plenty of others in real estate that are doing the same thing looking to repurpose real estate etc that's why i have that cash position but i wanted to respond to Steph's comments on inflation having lived through some of this myself with my private companies Half of the inflation we see today, in my belief, is temporary. And let me give you a use case. Let's say I'm making gym equipment, which I am, in Fargo. It's one of the most successful companies in my portfolio. Over time, the supply chain, as everybody knows, is broken down. So the the nuts and bolts and the weights and the bars that we used to buy from Asia, we simply stopped doing it because we can't get it. To the port of los angeles so we've sourced it domestically where our costs are as much as 30 percent higher but we're happy to do it because we've kept our supply chain operational people are buying the gym equipment from us at a much higher price so we've raised our prices seven eight nine percent when we get the supply chain issue resolved and we can source from our original sources we will bring that back to what our original costs were and i think there's a lot of that going on in the economy so half of this inflation is temporary and the other half is just misallocating resources like energy not setting up to pull energy out of the ground at a time when you know with certainty we still need it and so you've seen energy prices spike we'll solve that too the market will solve it so the fed is doing the right thing in my view and you're seeing it reflected in this one-sixth on the 10 year down to 1 4 No one's that worried yet about real inflation. That's my take on it. I'm going to invest accordingly.
2: So when you say you're going to invest accordingly, um, that sounds like you have a bullish outlook. If you think inflation is, in fact, transitory, where are you going to deploy the capital that you now have accumulated from this commercial real estate sales? Are you putting it into are you will you be putting it into equities?
5: Well, look, I, I am willing to put it in equities, but you don't take something that you built over 11 years and just jam it in because I just don't look. I'm very constructive. I'm 70 percent equities, 30 percent fixed income. That's the longest I've ever been in equities for the portion portfolio that's in the mandate of fixed income versus equities. Now, where to put this cash? I'll tell you. Uh, this is a this is a use case that i know is being debated by the regulator and everything else so i asked the cash desk that i'm using what else can i do with the cash because you're giving me 21 basis points inflation's over two percent i'm losing a lot in a 12-month period they said why don't you stake usdc why don't you stake us stablecoin you can make 4.7 to 6 percent in a 90-day period and i call up my own accountants my own compliance officer said we're going to stake some USDC. And they said, what, are you out of your mind? You can't do that. The pressure to get into crypto now at the institutional level has never been bigger. So I, I have done a small experiment and I've started to work with Circle and I am staking USDC. This is where the world is going, Scott. This, this has to get resolved because people with cash have to get some kind of protection against inflation. The only place we can find it is in crypto. How crazy is that?
2: Well, some people think you can get it in gold, and which is why I said it's the highest level since uh, early early September. I wonder, Surat, this idea of of playing off of what Kevin just said, this pressure to get in, whether it's crypto um, from institutions or whatever, as you see the freight train rolling on and it rolls past you, you want to get on before it gets too far ahead of you and you can't catch up. Right. Is is, Is that at all what's happening in the market here, the great chase?
1: Um, I I think that's part of it, too, Scott. I think the other part also is the rebalancing that's occurring with with institutions and individuals who are balanced accounts. That is putting pressure on the bond market. That's why you're seeing yields also go lower, just because once you get out of your equity allocation, where do you go? And to Kevin's point, if you're not ready to go into something like crypto or alternative assets, you're going to buy these bonds, and then you're going to put pressure on the yields and, and the prices go up. But but to your point on the equity side, yeah, there, there is this fear of FOMO, and really to kind of look and say, where do I want to be? Do I want to be in the inflation camp? Do I want to be in the disinflation camp? And then kind of look at what companies you want to own. But I do think that you know there are definitely opportunities out there, and investors are are investing in them, whether it's in the equity side or some of the alternative side.
2: Look, Tom Lee puts out a note today. VIX up 10% in the past three days. S&P is up three days in a row. Surprisingly, he says not a bad thing. Equities continue to trade as if there's an underlying bid. And given the turmoil in the last eight weeks leading into the end of September, our interpretation is that investors are still underinvested. And thus... What we are seeing is investors chasing markets higher. Kolonovic over at J.P. Morgan says he's still pro-risk. I mean, most of the commentary, Surratt, day after day after day is decidedly positive. And even some of the initial naysayers like Mike Wilson at Morgan Stanley are on teetering on the edge of capitulation. That's what the, their notes would suggest uh, every day. So what, what does that tell you about the overall narrative over the next I don't know. Couple of months of what is seasonally the strongest period of the
1: year. I think it's stay invested. I mean, and definitely look for opportunities, especially as we've got through earnings season and, and companies that are broken. I mean, right now there's there is no other alternative. And if you have good companies that have pricing power and good cash flows, I think that's the way to go. Some of them are increasing their earnings expectations. So uh, I think you know all these people that you refer to are correct. You just have to pick your spots and. And just make sure that you have that diversified portfolio, because as we've talked on the show, I mean, the tenure has gone from four to six to four. So you, so you kind of have to make sure that you have good companies that are going to do well through some of these rough patches.
2: You know, Pete, uh, over the last, I'd say, I don't know yeah. if, I, if my memory serves me right over the past few weeks, three, four weeks or so, you've bought Apple calls uh, here and there at least a couple mm-hmm. of times. And here you are again. Yep. You bought the December 155s. So you're, you're looking yes. for, for opportunities that you you think still exist, even in some of the mega cap names.
3: Yeah, and in this name, you know, we've seen some incredible unusual option activity in there, Scott. I mean, it was just a week or so ago that we had the buyer of 50,000 of the 150 strike calls that were in Apple. And now all of a sudden we get some huge buying again out in December looking at those 155. So. You know I, I like what we are seeing i like, I like a lot of the options we 've seen specifically in the e v space but even in in the in mega cap we 're talking about names like Amazon that produced very, very nicely. I got out of those options, but I got to tell you something. We've seen a lot of great option activity across many of these various names, including names that, that quite frankly aren't considered in the mega cap, but I mean the Cisco's of the world and Salesforce and some of those names where I think they've been great trading vehicles for us, Scott. I mean, we continue to see rotation into different areas, but I think the mega cap sometimes gets forgotten and we've actually had some pretty decent results. I actually think going into the end of the year that we're going to see a name like Apple start to move to the upside once again and maybe we st- start pushing towards one We'll see. But that's what the options are telling us right now.
2: I want to know more about this Amazon sale of yours, uh, selling the calls in, in Amazon. Yeah. Pete, can you give me more color on that? And mm-hmm. I ask you, because when you look at the year-to-date gains for all of the mega cap tech names, um, it's mm-hmm. you know, a decided laggard. Uh, year-to-date, Amazon's up 8%. Oh. And everything else is, has just kicked yeah. its butt.
3: No, you're exactly right. No, you're 100% right, Scott and, and but there are times where we do see some of these moves. We've we've seen in a fairly rapid fashion, we've seen Amazon go from 3200 to 3500 pretty quickly. Now, again, if you look at the year to date, the numbers don't look that great, but there are glimpses of, of times where we are seeing some pretty dramatic moves in some of those names, including some of these fang names. So I think in an Amazon, for instance, I sort of agree with you. And I think part of the reason that I took that position off had had more to do with the idea that, OK, I got good results. Now I got to get out. And, and I don't know. From an Amazon perspective, you know AWS is really the driver. We all know that, and that has been the driver for a really long time. But for whatever reason, Scott, Amazon has definitely lagged. You're 100% right. But there are moments, there are times, there are weeks that where we have seen some very, very nice moves, whether it's Apple or Facebook or Amazon or whatever the name in that mega cap fang type names. They do have times where they do move, and that's part of the the world of the options world. Is you have those time frames where you're restricted, yes, but they give you that opening to get in and that's what i've been trying to do
2: steph what's your thought on where mega cap goes between now and and the end of the year if not into the new year
4: mega cap
2: tech
4: yeah or just mega cap in general mega cap tech yeah mega cap tech yeah yeah, no, I, I don't see, I don't there, see why is there it not see the end of the year. Is there, is, there,
2: is there really a mega cap anything else? <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: this is a very good, that's a very good question, very good point. I just wanted to clarify. Right. Um, yeah, no, I think the, the fundamentals are, are really very, very strong. Even even the earnings misses, if you will, or the sells on the news. I mean, the free cash flow is so enormous. We talk about the total addressable markets. Why they're so important is because that's what generates the free cash flow, right? And these these companies can turn on the spigot anytime they want, on expenses or they can dial it back down it's one of the reasons why I actually bought Facebook or meta whatever we want to call it at this point but uh, I think the (laughs) disclosure is actually going to improve the engagement is actually very very strong I think this company still will be able to grow 20 25 percent trading at 20 times 10 times EBITDA that's that's a real value to me that's growth at a reasonable price so you know I lean a little more cyclical, a little more value but when I saw Facebook down as much as it was at one point it was down about 18% from its highs. I thought that that was an opportunity, not just into the end of the year, Scott, but I do think over the next several years, this is a winner. And I think Megacap Tech will always, there's always a place in a portfolio for that.
2: You know, Surat, I was thinking of you and Steph with the infrastructure deal. And, you know, Citi had this note that said it's not a sell on the news event, that these stocks can keep working why did I think of you? Because Danaher, Honeywell, Martin Marietta, Stanley Black and Decker, Vulcan Materials, you know, among other things. Do you agree with City that there's staying power for some of these names that probably ran up a considerable amount on expectation that there was going to be some sort of deal?
1: I do, Scott. I think these the companies you mentioned are really well run companies that have demand in front of them and pricing. And I think that's going to be really important. And, and as we know, the infrastructure bill is going to take a couple of years to play out. And what these companies will do at that point in time is, you know, with rising prices and, and, and also an ability to control some, some of their costs, I think these are places you want to be. It's a good diversifi- diversification play to offset some of the other things that could be going on in the economy, because you know you've got steady demand for at least eight to 12 quarters.
2: And yet, Kevin O'Leary who owns Caterpillar and Deer says it's probably already priced in. I would not add new money here. You're very skeptical of the bill. What are you skeptical about? We, we, didn't, give, we didn't give you in Canada any of it? Is that what you're skeptical about? No, I'm about? very skeptical.
5: It's, it, the way I look at it is, first of all, this trillion dollars was already 50% earmarks. So there's really half of that is really new free money coming into the market. I think you saw the election results on, on November 2nd give you some tonality for what midterms are going to look like. This is going to become highly politicized in terms of what these projects are, you know, shovel ready, et cetera. A lot of this money is going to go into projects that probably is questionable in terms of real value, because I've always felt that these giant government programs, about a third of it's wasted. And so, look, sorry to be the skeptic, but it's going to take such a long time for this capital to actually get deployed. And on the other side of the midterms, I think you're going to have total Washington gridlock, which I think is a good thing. That's okay but that's what's coming and as a result of that these government programs are not going to find their way to the bottom line as fast as you think I personally think they're priced in I think these stocks are gonna be flattish we'll see what happens over time but call me a skeptic when it comes to giant government spending
2: yeah but I mean it already passed though so I mean the, the, the midterms are irrelevant <laughs> it's kind of It'll irrelevant just be very, right?
5: polit- very political very political after the midterms and I'll tell you why you're gonna see a lot of it's always, the incumbent always loses power in the midterm. I don't care who the incumbent is. You don't even have to get into politics. The politics shift and cause gridlock. That means government projects get stymied. They slow down. This money probably won't get spent for four or five years, if not, if not even longer. So it's not the panacea everybody thinks it is. Any time the government's involved and you want to translate that into EPS, don't.
2: Steph, you want, you want a word <laughs> on that? You want...
4: I actually agree with that. I actually agree, I actually agree with that. I don't think we're just going to see the money uh, for many, many years, if at all, by the way. Um, but I own industrials and kind of the infrastructure, some of the infrastructure names for special situations, strong fundamentals, low expectations. So Caterpillar's only up about 15 percent on the year. They just delivered a solid quarter in a very in ch- uh, challenging environment, right? They were able to raise price, so margins came in better despite the fact that sales were weak because of supply chain. But their book to bill is 1.2 times. Free cash flow gen is about 1 billion and 1 to 2 billion a year. They just bought a billion four back in stock. So I like Caterpillar for the fundamentals. Infrastructure would be icing on the cake. Same drill for air products. They're in a duopoly. They've got a great management team, a great balance sheet, tons of cash flow to put to work, pricing power, and they have divested their cyclical businesses and that stock hasn't done anything really year to date. And Emerson is kind of like my turnaround story with a new CEO. Um, and uh, earnings were messy as all get out because of supply chain. But I think that this is the setup for 2022 as they put pricing in place, as they make more acquisitions in technology, I think that automated solutions can see a substan- substantial recovery uh, in that story. And I just, again, it hasn't really done that much, up, up about 20% on the year. So I like those three names all right. speaking, a lot, just speak, on fundamentals.
2: Speaking of company splitting, new CEO, uh, General electric. Steph, I'm glad you're with us today. We would have been calling on you nonetheless. Uh, What's your reaction to what GE is now doing and when you think it's going to have a material impact, a lasting one on on the share price?
4: I mean, this is the end of the era of the conglomerate of GE as we know it. Right. They're now going to be a simpler story, a stronger story, uh, people can analyze it it before it was very hard to analyze a lot of moving parts a lot of moving pieces so I like what they're doing I think these three businesses that they're splitting up are the strongest that they have and it's very wise for them to do it so that it, they can create shareholder value um, in the meantime they reiterated 5 billion free cash flow this year it's gonna grow next year and 7 billion plus by 2023 they also hinted at aviation seeing a stronger than expected recovery which I'm not surprised at all about but I think that is going to be the gem of the piece uh, of the splits. Uh, but I think this is very good news. And I think that this just kind of keeps plodding along as Culp continues to de- outperform and out deliver relative to expectations.
2: It's going to take some time, though, right? More, as an investor, you're not expecting things to really start, you know, really get, get going right away, are you? I mean, it's going to take years.
4: It it will take years, but aviation is a gem of a business, and it's a recovery play. Healthcare is on fire. They just made a great acquisition. They're beefing up that business. And renewables is the problem, child, but hopefully over time that will actually awaken and do well. So um, I think they can still deliver on earnings, on free cash flow, still reinvest in the business, maybe make some acquisitions along the way. And I I think they're going to continue to monetize, by the way, GCAS and Baker Hughes, as a result of this transaction, so they 're going to be able to delever even more seventy five billion dollars in delevering at this company since thousand and eighteen that 's enormous, so that gives them a lot of flexibility so I like it maybe the real excitement doesn 't come for twenty three twenty four but I still like it for twenty one twenty two for sure
2: all right I know everybody wants to talk about uh, GE just because of you know the story and the, the historical significance of, of the whole thing today but Check out Roblox as soaring to a new record high. The company reports that revenue doubled in the third quarter Uh, record high. Best day ever. Bryn Talkington bought this stock on March 11th. That is the day after the IPO. She bought more of it on May 11th. And she joins us right now. She, of course, the managing partner of Requisite Capital. It's good to see you. Um, Wow. (laughs) Wow. What a day.
0: Yeah, exciting. Um, thanks Thanks for having me. I think it's interesting today, you really have what I would call a re-rating of the name. You know, I've known Roblox when it was a private company. Um, I'm happy to say I'm a longtime gamer, probably more of Galaga than, than Roblox. But what's interesting, you have to remember, Roblox did a direct listing. So unlike an IPO, when you have a lot of the investment banks and a lot of the analyst community coming out and rating it, you really didn't have that with Roblox. And I think what's so incredible and where it's like the right company at the right time is, you know, Dave Bazuki, who is the, one of the co-founders. He's been talking about the metaverse for well over 15 years. And I think Facebook renaming their company, you know, metaverse, essentially, is really amplifying the conversation around it. And I think why you have such a big gain today is that not only did they beat revenues, but, Scott, you know, think about this time last year. And that was a stay-at-home year. And this is the opposite. So I think a lot of people thought this was going to you know, be like a Zoom or one of those stay-at-home names. And so year, just some, some quick numbers. Daily active users year-over-year year was up 31%. Revenues year-over-year year was up 102 Bookings up 70, 28%. And Asia was up 75%. And so I think people are coming to understand that this company has staying power and isn't just a stay-at-home name but has lots of room to run. And I think what's also important is I know you guys were talking about supply chains earlier. There are no supply chains here. And if you go to Walmart, if you go to Best Buy, and you go to the the gift card corner, there are racks of Robux cards that I'm sure are going to be in everyone's stockings this year. I'm
2: sorry, finish your thought. I I thought you were wrapping up. I'm sorry.
0: No, I was just saying that I think that there's there's no supply chain issue. You also have what I want to hit on is the brand partnering. Because this is what i don't think people really understand about the name so in september they partnered with vans you know the shoe company uh-huh. and so as your avatar you could go in there and pick your own shoe van you know your, design your own shoes and then design your own skateboard in september alone the vans marketplace on roblox had 40 million viewers they also just signed a partnership with, with netflix And so I think you're going to see more brands coming into the Roblox platform, which is going to give it a long, a long runway.
2: Yeah. Uh, Thanks for coming on, Bryn. We'll see you back on the show. A huge winner for you today. Congrats on that. We'll see you soon. That's Bryn Talkington. Pete, you bought Roblox uh, November 105s today and they expire on Friday.
3: I did. Yeah, ironically, Scott, I think the interesting thing about this trade is that, uh, you know, I, while well, I was being talked to by the producers, asked if I've seen anything lately, I said not really. Yesterday, some monster volume in the stock, about 16 million shares versus that's more than double normal. But I will tell you this, they bought the 105 calls right out of the gate that expire on Friday. They also bought the 110 calls that expire the following week so very very aggressive buying in this name today people not not only satisfied with the numbers that they've already seen but expect to see this thing go even far further to the upside especially when you look at the free cash flow of this company look at the fundamentals take a look at what their cash position is versus their debt i mean all these things start to line up and right. look very very good for this company despite the fact that it's made this incredible move today i think there's still more in this move left to go for the rest of this week
2: right, we're going to take a break let me tell Though, Kramer has the CEO of Roblox on tonight on Mad Money. Do not miss that, especially in light of this incredible move today. It's an exclusive interview. When we come back, PayPal and Robinhood shares are sliding right now. We're going to weigh in on both.
7: Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. Pfizer and BioNTech are expected to ask federal regulators today to approve COVID booster shots for all adults. That's according to The New York Times. The Times says that the FDA is likely to approve the request and possibly before Thanksgiving. U.S. sanctions against Nicaragua are reportedly coming soon. Washington has denounced the reelection of Nicaragua's president as a sham Seven opposition candidates were jailed before the election. U.S. officials say that the measures would be the first in a series of steps to pressure the country. Republican New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu says that he will not challenge Democrat Maggie Hassan for her seat in the U.S. Senate. Many Republicans had called on Sununu to join the battle to retake the Senate majority from Democrats. And in Arlington Cemetery, for the first time in 78 years, the public is being allowed to lay flowers directly at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And it's part of the celebrations around the 100th anniversary of the memorial. It culminates on Thursday, which is Veterans Day. You're now up to date. Scott, I'll send it back to
2: you. We appreciate that very much, Rahel. Thank you, Rahel Solomon. All right, Hertz began trading moments ago. I want to show you that. What a comeback for this company from where it was to where it is today going public. Are we going to see it? There we go. See that? It's down 6%, but nonetheless, Hertz Global is a publicly traded company. Shares of PayPal sliding 10 percent after missing revenue estimates and giving disappointing guidance for next year. All right, Surat, everybody seems to like this name. You own it. What's your takeaway here?
1: Well, I think it was a disappointing quarter. Um, I mean, they did miss. uh, They tried to, you know, with the whole Pinterest acquisition and they kind of pushed the Venmo and the Amazon piece I still like the company. I think it's in the penalty box for one or two quarters, I think, with payments, uh, especially as we go into kind of the year end. And they've been calling for some slowdown on it. But I think it's a fabulous company. It's a huge cash flow company. Uh, I think they should buy back shares. I think they should, you know, really kind of talk about how they're going to grow going forward. It's not going to go anywhere, but as a long-term investor, I'm going to add more to it at these levels. And if it goes lower, I'll keep on adding.
2: Oh, so you're going to be, you will be buying more at these levels. That's what you just said.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think the fundamentals of this company are very strong, and and I think they had a bad misstep. Uh, but this is the chance. You know, we've been talking about when do you buy PayPal, when do you buy PayPal when it goes up in a straight line. Uh, I, I think this would be a good time to to get back into it.
2: Okay, so it. so here's Kramer from the Investing Club, both yesterday and today. Here's what he says in in total: Given the miss and greater than expected uh, eBay headwind. The stock is in the penalty box for now, much like Surratt says, as the eBay headwind is clear focus point for investors. And we still have another quarter or two uh, until that's behind the company. So that's interesting when you think about do I want to step in today? Do I not? Do I want to buy it at these levels if it's going to take a quarter or two? What do you think about that? Kramer today, the most immediate move we think uh, they can add and should make is to announce a buyback. So what do you think about that, Surratt? Should they do a buyback?
1: I completely. I completely agree. I think you have to signal that the fundamentals are still intact and that the future is much better than what we have today. And if the best use of cash is buying your shares back at a price that you think is discounted, which we think it is, that's what you've got to do. So uh, you know being in a penalty box for a quarter or two, uh, you know it might not go anywhere but but these stocks also tend to move a quarter ahead of when people expect things to improve. So I also think it's a kitchen sink thing and if they do, over-deliver after under-promising, you could see the stock come back.
2: Okay. So, Kevin O'Leary, let's talk Robinhood. Now, those shares are under pressure. The company disclosed a data security breach that occurred last week. Uh, you also have the European Commission talking about banning payment for order flow. You own Robinhood. What do we do with this stock now?
5: You think about it in the context of 20 million accounts that didn't in exist or weren't even involved in the stock market just 36 months ago. That's the way I look at Robinhood. The other reason I own it and I have it on my phone with the notifications on is I now believe there's a direct correlation between market capitalization and social media. The activity that occurs on Robinhood, on Reddit, in other blogs that start to focus on various names, I need to know that as it's happening. And as a result, I've been very cautious about shorting. I'm I'm very, very, you know, concerned these days that this theme, this idea of meme stocks and everything else was a flash in the pan. That is not the case. If you want one of the best indexes to watch what's occurring, simply download Robinhood, put a few thousand dollars into it, buy some stocks and watch what happens. It is probably one of the best sources of information you can get at the moment it's happening. And so, look, I have lots of other services. I read the research like everybody else, but I am not going to ignore social media. Robinhood is part of that platform. Same with PayPal. You have to get used to the volatility of these names. And as a result, you know, this concern about England, if, if in fact they push that law there, every single online broker is going to have to yeah, but deal it's not with just this. That. to, to I mean, charging it, fees it's,
2: again. it's not just that. I mean, it's a thought. It's an overall view. And I, I think even, you know, Kramer said as much this morning, though, in, in probably different words um, than I'll use now, you know, there, there are multiple occasions, it seems, where you come away and you say Robinhood may have all of these active users. And of course, retail is highly engaged. But these guys act like they're not ready for prime time.
5: It's a harsh criticism. I heard Jim say that. I know the CEO there. He's doing everything he can in his power to keep up with this incredible growth. He's the envy of every online brokerage service. They wish they could have got those 20 million accounts. They didn't. He made it much more interesting for Gen Z and millennials to engage. I'm a believer that he's going to solve the problem. But I use it because it's to my benefit to understand the correlation between social media and retail and what happens to stocks. Roblox and everything else you've been talking about, one of the reasons you're getting these incredible spikes is you've got millions of people hearing this story. And engaging in these stocks that we didn't have happening just 24 months ago. So, if you're ignoring the Robin Hood factor, it's to your own peril, in my view. Okay. And I think you should engage. All right,
2: coming up. We're going to take another break and we'll come back. Rivian is going public. Ford shares hit a milestone today. Can you own both of those? We will discuss and debate that next.
7: price of renewable energy has dropped significantly over the past decade. Since 2010, the cost to produce electricity derived from solar power has fallen 89 percent. Onshore wind power is down 70 percent, according to data from Lazard, now cheaper than nuclear and coal. The dramatic drop in costs has driven wider adoption in recent years. In 2019, renewables accounted for nearly three-quarters of all new capacity additions worldwide. And that's your ESG Fast fact of the
0: Day.
6: The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash rich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
2: Electric truck maker Rivian set to price its IPO. After the bell today, our Phil LeBeau is tracking the action. And Phil, there's a
8: lot of excitement about this one. Why is that? Because this is one of these companies, when you looked at the electric vehicle market, let's say four or five years ago, and you started saying, well, who are going to be the players down the road who could potentially rival Tesla? Maybe not grow as big as Tesla, but rival Tesla, become a true player. Rivian is one of those companies, and people have been targeting it for a long time. The pricing for the IPO is after the bell. Remember, they've already raised the range on the pricing. 10 to $15 was 57 to $62. Now they're saying 72 to $74, 135 million, uh, 35 million shares will be sold as part of the IPO and it's going to have a valuation of close to 65 billion. Let's put that into some context with other electric vehicle stocks and IPOs that have come to market uh, in the last couple of years and compare it with Tesla. Yeah, Tesla's way ahead of everybody else, but Lucid at 74 billion, Neo just under 70, and there you see Rivian. The estimate at this point is going to be close to 65 billion. Two stocks to keep in mind as you watch this IPO play out. One is Amazon because Amazon has a 20% stake in Rivian, has already indicated that it looks to buy more shares as part of this IPO. So they're doubling down on their commitment. And remember, they already have an order for 100000 Rivian electric vans, that will likely grow as uh, Amazon continues its partnership with Rivian. And then you've got Ford. Ford bought a stake in Rivian some time ago, a couple of few years ago, uh, and now owns about 12 percent of the company. But Ford no longer has a seat on the Rivian board, and it is not using Rivian's technology as the platform for its electric vehicles. So it's unclear how much Ford's relationship with Rivian continues in the future, or if they take this IPO whether they get seven, eight billion dollars in ownership out of this and say that's good. And at some point cash out that remains to be seen. But watch this IPO, Scott, because a number of people that I've talked with in the auto industry have said not only is it highly anticipated, but it's one of those IPOs that could really run once the trading starts.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Phil, I'm sure we'll see you tomorrow. We appreciate that very much. That's you bet. Phil. All right. So how should you as an investor think about Rivian and Tesla relative to Ford and General Motors? Here's Jim Kramer from Mad Money. Take a listen to this. We'll talk on the other side. Even if everything goes right for Rivian, this industry's getting, you know, a little crowded here, right? When Tesla was starting out, there was nobody else. But Rivian's got Ford's F-150 Lightning hot on its heels, along with GM's electric Hummer, and even Tesla's Cyber Truck. But I'd much prefer to stay on the sidelines and get my electric vehicle exposure from the Ford Motor Company, which is why we own such a big position for the Chattel Trust. All right, we know how much Kramer likes Ford, and, uh, Mr. Farley, their CEO, Pete. You actually have you have a request in for Rivian.
3: (laughs) absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm expecting this to be just as strong as what Phil was basically, you know, the sentiment of what Phil was just saying there. I think this is one of these that everybody's been anticipating, and we know it's been out there. Obviously, Ford has that stake. It's interesting to me that Ford has not chosen to actually work together with Rivian. I, I that sort of puzzles me to some degree, Scott, but. I like this EV space. As a matter of fact, whether you're talking about Lucid or Tesla, you, you name your, your your vehicle company. You also have the Neos of the world, which I just got out of, but. I still think this is a great space to be in. I, you know, this charging point's another one of those. And I think you can't forget about the fact that all of this means there is going to be that much more of a demand for copper, which is one of the reasons why I've become bigger and bigger and bigger into Freeport-McMoran. I continue to think that is a great play on the EV space because of all the demands that go into that. It's not just construction. It goes into the EV space as well. And that's something where I think that demand's going to do nothing but go to the upside. That's going to be great for Freeport and the in the long run,
2: yeah. Your brother is is big time in some of the EV battery makers too. Kevin O'Leary, yeah. Ford goes above twenty bucks for the first time in twenty years today. It's dipped a little bit back. Um, you almost got a double in the stock. Eleven fifty four is where you bought it. Uh, what now?
5: So, I, I'm going to give you some reasons why I think this stock has performed so well. As you recall, I bought it in in around eleven fifty four. I think the price at, at a time when I was highly critical of the management there and and was very vocal right here on Halftime Report a few months ago talking about the delivery of a Ford they gave me missing chips and I couldn't drive it off the lot because I couldn't insure it and I was pissed and and uh, you know and just vent just venting uh, I started to hear from Ford management and I let them know what I thought what I believe has happened not because of me but because of the entire focus they have now and Farley you have to give him some credit he's He's basically started to look at executional excellence. He's trying to figure out the supply chain problem he's got with chips and everything else and focus on what he can deliver. And he did deliver me a truck. And I told him I don't want anything for free. I want to buy it. And if I turn the key and the light goes on that that chip is missing, I'm going to fry you again, because why, why wouldn't I? But that's not what happened. And that's why I bought the stock. Now I think he's getting a lift on PE because of execution. He's delivered. That was a fantastic quarter. Number two, the lift of having ownership in some of these EV companies that he was smart enough to invest in at the time. And also the overall tone about the Ford management. Remember, it used to be that the family used to sit on the board and play their CEOs like puppets. That's not the case with Farley. This guy is his own guy. He's pushing hard to deliver. That tone of executional excellence is there. EVs there. Lightning's there. 50,000 orders is there. I'm one of them. I think this name goes higher.
2: OK, uh, we're going to take another break. We'll come back. I got Pete's unusual activity. I got a new buy from Pete that we need to tell you about. In addition to that, Steph, as well as a new stock that you want to hear about. We'll talk about it next. All right, Pete, what do you have unusual activity today?
3: All right, we've already talked about PayPal and eBay also, but eBay is an unusual for us as well. stock was trading a little bit higher than it is right now, Scott. It had a really good year, but the last month it's basically unchanged. But they're in there buying today, 17,000 of this Friday's expiring 78 calls seventeen thousand of those sixteen cents up to about forty eight cents really interesting to see that trade second for you i've got uber now ubers really interesting and especially unusual because of the fact that it's not expiring this week as a matter of fact they're going all the way out to february the february forty seven and a half calls Again, seventeen thousand of these calls being bought today three twenty up to about three thirty five for those options and oh by the way they also reached up and went for the sixty five strike calls out in february about five thousand of those 4,100 of them in a single print, 56 cents up to about 60 cents. Stock was trading exactly where it is right here, just underneath 45. So two very interesting trades, I think, going into as we get through this week. Very interesting to see what we're seeing here, especially the size of these trades.
2: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, appreciate that very much, Pete. All right, when we come back, I'm going to reveal those two new names that Steph and Pete are buying along with final trades. All right, let's do final trades. Talk about those new stocks. Stephanie Link, you've got one of them. You're buying more Cortiva. Tell our viewers why.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great agricultural company. And I think 2022 sets up really well for the company now that they've put a ton of pricing power in place. It's the spin from Dow DuPont back in uh, 2019. They struggled right out of the gate. Fast forward to today. You have a new CEO who just started. He's got a great reputation for buying back stock, dividend, shareholder returns. And CFO, Dave Anderson, if that name sounds familiar, he came from Honeywell. He was an amazing CFO at Honeywell. So you've got the duo here now in place. I think execution gets better, better pricing power. And, oh, by the way, they actually reiterated Guide in in the face of really hard input cost
3: challenges. I like that one.
2: All right. Uh, Pete, Valle calls, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a stock that's done extremely poorly, Scott. Matter of fact, it's very near its lows of the year. So... Uh, We did see some option activity come into here. I I like this name, though, from an infrastructure perspective. I think this fits the mold. So I think this name makes some sense. I did buy the calls. I did not buy the stock. I bought the calls. So I've got December calls right now. We'll see how this plays out. But I've got about a month, December 12 and a half.
2: All right, we'll follow it. Thank you for that. Surratt, final trade. Yep.
1: Uh, Roblox. Scott, I like this one. a While my my call space is in the low 90s, I think this one's got a long way to go. And we're just starting to see... uh, The runway ahead of it.
5: All right. Uh, Mr. Wonderful. You don't own PayPal yet. This is a time. The stumble gives you an entry opportunity, but do it over a week period, like put on a third, a third, a third kind of thing. This stock goes down a little bit before it turns around, but it's a huge buying opportunity.
2: Penalty box, as Kramer said. See if they do a buyback if they listen (laughs) there. It's good to see everybody. Got Disney earnings tomorrow. We're going to talk about that much more tomorrow. Does it for us? Thanks for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on
0: CNBC. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.